A silver police car drove through the barriers that separated the news media from the massive police force on the bridge that divided the Colony District from the city district. Mikael sat in the passenger's seat, waving his hands wildly at the officers to make way for his vehicle as it headed towards Melissa Fight, who was leading the force. Get out of my way, he screamed, ignoring the fact that the siren was drowning out his words. The officers jumped out of the vehicle's way as it raced past their ranks, stopping abruptly close to the front line. Mikhail jumped out of the car, a look of gloom and horror visible on his face. He stumped briskly towards Melissa. Officers stepped out of his way. Get out of my way! Mikhail screamed, pushing an officer who was particularly slow out of his path. He reached the front lines and two officers stepped in as a buffer between him and Melissa. What are you doing? Get out of my way! He continued to scream as he tried to force his way between the bulky men. Do you know who I am? He bellowed hoarsely. The two men, who looked like bouncers and towered over Mikael, mostly ignored his plea. I need you to step out of my way or else. One call to the governor and you'll be looking for jobs for the rest of your lives. Mikael continued, screaming at the men. The men stood silently. Melissa Fight, who had been silently watching, finally spoke. Let him through. The two men stepped aside, and Mikael burst through their ranks, waving his fists wildly at her, his face red with anger and embarrassment. Melissa turned away from the approaching Mikael towards the billowing smoke in the distance. Superintendent, you better tell me this is a drill. You better assure me that this men are not going across the border today, and this is just a show for the news media, Mikael began furiously. I have to ask at this point, what am I to you and the governor? Melissa turned to him calmly. What the heck does that mean? You're the superintendent of the city district, Mikael fired back. I haven't felt that way since I started this position. Every single program and suggestions I've, I've made have been shut down, and the chaos around my reign continues to grow. Melissa responded calmly. You knew the jobs and risks when we hired you. Frankly, what did this have to do with this show of force? See that? Melissa said, pointing towards the billowing smoke. There was an explosion in the darkness last night, and our sources say the whole area has become like a powder keg. Anything can spark another explosion. What has that got to do with us? Let the dragon baron handle it. That was the agreement in the peace treaty that we signed, Mikhail responded quickly. I guess you haven't heard, Melissa said, turning slowly towards him. Heard what? Mikhail asked, narrowing his eyes and furrowing his brow. The dragon baron is dead, Melissa said, turning away from him. That? That's impossible, Mikhail said, freezing in place and raising his eyebrows as he stared wide-eyed at Melissa. It happened at the Grand City Hotel last night, Melissa continued. Even if that happens, and it got an army of skilled soldiers to overwhelm the Dragon Baron, I'm sure they can figure out things on their own end. 
We don't need to encroach on their territory and break the treaty, Mikhail responded firmly. It was one woman. Apparently, the sources describe her as a female Antonio, Melissa continued. One woman? Mikhail stood with his mouth aghast. How is that even? He pondered, unclenching his fist. I thought the dragon baron was inundated with men. Even if she had the skills of Antonio, I'm sure Antonio could have dealt with her. Listen, Mikhail. I don't have all the details. All I know is that we're on a precipice and I need to move fast. The governor can't section this encroachment, Mikhail responded quickly. A minute ago, you had no idea what was going on. Now you feel confident enough to dictate my rules of engagement? Melissa fired back. Be careful, superintendent. You don't want to be insubordinate to me, Mikhail countered. Or what, exactly? Melissa took a step towards Mikhail. You think you can take the heat from those reporters like I have done for weeks? Frankly, I have felt like I've received no support from you whatsoever. It's almost like I was appointed as a figurehead with no real powers, Melissa rejoined. That is nonsense. The governor and I have your back from the very first day you stepped into the role. Where was the governor when the press concocted the idea that I was weak as a result of the restaurant massacre a few weeks ago. Did the governor go to press and tell them that they had tied my hands? No! You let me stand in front of the press and get skewered. Where was the governor's statement of support when my life was threatened on live TV? Did the governor temper the chaos of that with any assurances even to my office? No. The governor was silent as the headlines of I was basically a lame duck in the crosshairs of the drug baron precipitated through the populace. I faced the music. No more of your nonsense, Mikhail. Melissa waved her hands dismissively in his directions. I do things my way from now till I'm fired. You and the governor sit in your ivory towers while I'm being fed alive to the press. Then he gives everyone the impression that I have all the power in the world to enact my plans. Well, now I'm using those powers he has touted. I'm damned if I do nothing and damned if I do anything. You know what? At least I'm doing it my way, and that makes a difference to me. Those accusations are baseless. Furthermore... I'm directing you to stop this foolery, turn this man around, and head to the office for a debrief. Mikhail said dismissively, Your insubordination calls for a review. Do you get what's actually going on here, Mikhail? If you did, you would wish me the best of luck, turn around, and let things play out. Something tells me you don't, and you won't. I will not be giving you permission to break the treaty and start another war. Too many people will lose their lives, and the governor wants no part of it, Mikhail said, his eyes sparking red with fury. Just as I thought.
You simply don't get it. I will explain it as succinctly as I possibly can. That explosion means danger. If the darkies breach the wall, they attack the colony. Then they come for us. At that point, and since no one has a count on how many they are, we may be looking at a massacre. Your kids may be lying face down in the streets if that happens. My men here understand the big picture. We're going in as a stabilizing force. The subsequent power struggle between the drug imbalance forces and any force that challenges them means that no one is paying attention to the darkies. Our very existence is subject to how fast we act. I don't need your go-ahead to protect the citizens of the city district. It's my duty by law. Now, do you understand? You still need the governor's approval, Mikhail said quietly, the realization slowly dawning on him. There's only one thing you can do to stop me this morning, Mikhail. Fire me. When you do, I will walk straight into the jaws of the reporters over there and let them know how you've undermined me at every juncture. Perhaps then, you and the governor can face the music as well, Melissa concluded, gesturing to the two guards who had blocked Mikkel's way. Have you lost your mind, Melissa? Is this a mutiny? Mikkel turned his attention to the two officers as they approached. I guess we'll have to find out, Melissa said, waving Mikkel away. Stand down! Stop! Mikkel screamed at the approaching officers. I need you to order everyone back to the offices for a debrief, he said firmly. Not today, sir, one of the officers responded, bringing out a pair of handcuffs. You're under arrest. Are you kidding me? Mikkel turned to face Melissa, who had turned her back on him. On what grounds, Superintendent? Trespassing, Melissa responded calmly. What utter nonsense, Mikkel remarked in a subdued tone as the two officers towered over him and forced the handcuffs on him. The officers led him back to the vehicle in which he had been driven. One of the men motioned for the driver to go into the back seat. The driver obliged, and they placed Mikkel in the back seat. As they drove away, Mikkel poked his head out of the window. The blood is on your hands! If you follow her, you all die! You will fucking die! You pieces of shit! You're sealing your fate with this psycho! Melissa shifted on her feet as the realization slowly dawned on her. My plan simply has to work. Or I'll be destroyed for the rest of my life. The fate of the city is in my hands. And I hope I'm doing the right thing, she muttered under her breath. She turned around to look at the faces of the officers she could be marching with this morning, and she felt a pang of guilt. She clutched her chest. Am I doing this for me? Or am I doing this for them? What if the war on that side gets worse and the darkies break the wall? Is it my fault for doing nothing to stop it? What about a woman who orchestrated the assassination? <laughs>
No one knows her motivation. What if she's amassing a force to coerce unification? What happens when she turns her gaze on us? If she's as dangerous as everyone says, then should we not strike and control the situation before it escalates? Melissa closed her eyes and took a deep breath. The breeze from the ocean caressed her face as the thoughts compounded in her head. This is the right thing to do. It has to be. Ma'am? I reckon we should get going before the men start getting restless, an officer who had walked to her side remarked. Melissa opened her eyes and nodded in agreement. Perhaps you would like to say a few words, the officer suggested, handing her a megaphone. Melissa took a deep breath and held the megaphone to her mouth. This city belongs to us, she barked forcefully into the microphone. While Officer Miguel Morgenstern may have had some unfair characterizations of my intention, it is important that we acknowledge that he had some good intentions. Like him, I'm worried about the people we care about. I do not take these actions lightly. For that reason, I will be leading the force that attacks the Red Balloons. We have another task, and that is securing the wall. For the sake of our families, our kids, our future, we cannot let that wall fall. She looked around at the officers who were staring at her intensely. For many years, the arguments of the status quo have always won. We have let the corruptions in the colony district fester, and now it threatens to bust out its seams and devour us. The actions I take this morning is one that has been long overdue. No one is above the law, and not even them, she said, pointing towards the colony. This city belongs to us. We cannot have these murderers evade our lands, harm our kids, our families. We have to seize control now that they are their weakest and make sure we prevent such an event. There were some mumblings in the crowd. I need you to trust me today. I have never made a harder decision than this in my whole life. Deep down, I know it's the right one. Some of us won't be returning. But understand who you're doing this for. I sure do. I'm gonna stand shoulder to shoulder with you. And by this evening, I have no doubt that we will be celebrating. Hooah! A loud chorus of cheers rang out from the officers. And your start will awaken, renewed, and we shall prevail. Melissa yelled with pure passion and her words resonated with the officers who slapped their helmets with the palms of their hands, creating a loud ruckus that lasted several minutes. Melissa stared at the determined faces as the ruckus persisted. Then she smiled and then handed the megaphone to the officer Martin, who was standing beside her. Melissa stepped away and checked her weapon. She had three clips of bullets. Her gun seemed faultless. She slapped her back where her knife sat in its holster. Then she turned and faced Martin as he began his speech. Well, 
Ladies and gentlemen of the force, things are moving very fast this morning, and I think we can take advantage of it. For those of you who don't know who I am, I am Assistant Superintendent Martin Romanko. While we've gone through the drills in our individual districts, I feel like we do need to have a refresher before we go out. Don't worry, none of this is new information. He paused and looked at the sheet of paper in his hands. First of all, we're not an occupying force, so unless we're attacked, we do not open fire. We're going in to secure the darkness and the red balloon. The teams will be divided into two. The superintendent will lead the assault against the drug imbalance headquarters. The rest of you will follow me towards the darkness. Remember, unless you are attacked, we hold our fire. Our main goal for this mission is the security of the people of the city district. We can't guarantee that if we start a war. Do you have anything to add? Martin turned to Melissa. Let's move! Melissa grabbed her helmet and slapped it on. She jumped into a vehicle and within minutes, the largest encroachment force was heading towards the colony district. As they drove past the other side of the bridge, Melissa's eyes widened in amazement. The car stopped at an intersection and turned left. They made their way through the streets of collapsing buildings and Melissa shivered uncomfortably as she observed eyes locking cannibalously from the dark alleys. The air wrecked of decay with metallic overtones of rust. There was a putrid smell of urea everywhere and a faint, surprising smell of bacon. You'll get used to the smell after a while, the driver said, turning to Melissa. I'm not so confident of that, Melissa responded, looking away as a naked man and woman emerged from the dark alleyway and stared at them, wide-eyed, as the processions of vehicles slowly drove through the colony district. They think about things differently, the driver continued. Things get much better when you go deeper into the colony. A lot of this area is unmaintained because they don't want to encourage people moving towards the darkness. People take advantage of its unkempt nature. The alleyways are a maze, and only someone with knowledge of its complexities can effectively navigate it. How come you know so much? Melissa asked, glancing at the driver. I grew up here, he responded with a faint smile. The car sped down the block and soon slowed down as they encountered a crowd of confused people who filled the streets. As they slowed, Melissa, who was taken aback by the number of people crowding the streets, turned to the driver. I knew they had a lot of people in the middle of the roads, but this is quite incredible to actually see in person. How do people even make it through this mess? It's chaotic. Simply persistence, the driver responded. A man had jumped in front of the moving vehicle and the driver pushed down on the brakes in time to avoid hitting him. The man, oblivious to any potential bodily harm, slammed on the hood of the vehicle. What are you doing here? He screamed, his face animated to reflect his pure fear. You don't know what you're getting yourself into, the man said, slapping the hood of the car one more time. Then he slowly retreated. What should we expect? Melissa said, turning to the driver. I have absolutely no idea, he responded. Let's be calm for now, Melissa said, reaching for her weapon. 
She unlocked the passenger's door and stepped out. Morning, folks. We need you to step away from the roads, she began, waving at the crowd to step aside. Melissa caught a glimpse of a man in a black suit staring at her in the sea of people, and she felt an uneasiness. The man stared at her for almost a minute, then he turned into the alleyway and disappeared into the darkness. You're not supposed to be here, another man screamed from the comfort of the crowd. It is not going to end well, the voice continued. There was a loud horn, and almost on cue, the crowd began to disperse quickly. Some ran into alleys, some ran into buildings, but within minutes, the roads were practically empty. Melissa looked around suspiciously. It seems they're ready for us, she muttered, gripping her gun tight. She stared into the distance and grimaced at the sight of old Beatrice. The busty sculpture was a homage to a world of moral decay. Someone had placed light strategically around her bust, thighs, and patted lips. It was a disgusting image. Melissa scoffed to herself. She shook her head as she stepped into the passenger seat and shut the door. Head for that big-breasted monstrosity. The driver nodded. He started accelerating in its direction. He turned right at the end of the street. Melissa was looking around suspiciously, the sense of dread growing as they got closer and closer to the red balloon. Legend has it, the driver began. It was named after the song 99 Red Balloons. Melissa was about to respond when a man in a dark suit stepped out of the corner with a shotgun drawn. The driver did not have enough time to react as the bullet tore through the glass and metal. Melissa felt a splatter of warm liquid on her face and turned away from the driver whose head was bobbing up and down, lifeless, and whose weight was pushing down on the accelerator. Melissa pressed her back into the chair and her head on the headrest. She felt her muscles get firm as the car sped into the pillar of the red balloons. She closed her eyes as she felt her body jolt and her neck snap forward. The airbags inflated just as her head was about to hit the console and soon it was flying back in the opposite direction. Her head slammed back into the headrest and the knife in her back holster pressed into her. For a few seconds, all she saw was black and all she heard was silence. Then, slowly, the sounds of bullet began to break through. First, it was muffled. Later, it became a loud chorus, and Melissa returned to her senses. She opened her eyes and observed the man in a dark suit aimbling in the direction of her vehicle, shooting wildly at the officers behind her. Then he turned his gaze on her, and Melissa had only seconds to react. She ducked as a bullet passed through the glass and into the headrest, where her head had just been. Melissa unhooked her seatbelt and pushed the door open. She crawled out and immediately rolled under the crumpled vehicle, the smell of leaking engine oil overwhelming her nostrils for a few seconds. She held her breath as she observed the feet of the man who had begun shooting at the officers wildly again. Melissa pulled out her gun and pulled the trigger. The man fell forward and face-planted into the ground. Melissa pulled the trigger back and he let out a final eerie groan before laying there lifeless. 
Melissa felt the warm, black engine oil fluid soaking into her pants. It had a thick, acrid odor and it had begun to irritate her nostrils. She caught a glimpse of the door to the red balloon and looked around for any alleyways that someone could spring out from. When she had assessed the situation, she counted to three, rolled out from under the vehicle and made a dash for the front door. She could hear the sounds of bullets flying past her head and she focused all her energy on the door. Melissa slammed into it with all her weight and she forced the door open. She slipped as she forced her way through, tripped and slid on the floor. She hit a woman who had her hands raised. Just then a bat in a dark suit appeared in front of the doorway. Melissa pulled the trigger and he fell onto the floor. She turned the gun on the woman who was still shivering in terror. Who are you? What are you doing in here? I'm just the secretary, the woman responded in a shaky voice. Let me see your hands, Melissa commanded. The woman stretched her hands out. Melissa reached for a pair of plastic cuffs and secured the woman. If you do anything crazy, I have no other choice. Do you understand? The woman nodded furiously. Melissa crawled to the entrance and prone against the wall. She scanned the area and observed the men swinging in and out of the alleyways, taking shots at the entrenched police officers. Melissa readied her weapon and aimed it at one of the men. She pulled the trigger and groaned as the bullet missed its target. The next time the man stepped out of the corner, he had his gun trained on her. She spun out of the way before the bullets peppered the walls that shielded her. You're making a big mistake, the handcuffed woman screamed as the bullets tore through the wall. You have got to get out of here. Melissa ignored her and waited for the bullets to subside before leaning in and pulling her trigger. This time she hit him in the leg and the man stumbled into the alleyway. Melissa took cover and reloaded her weapon. Then she looked at the woman who was shaking her head furiously. What is your name? Crystal. The woman responded, looking away. How did you get mixed up in all of this? Melissa appeared through the doorway and took cover. Crystal shook her head again. Listen, whoever you are, you don't want to be here. My advice is for you to just get out. The colony district is more dangerous than you think. I see, Melissa responded, taking a few more shots from a protected position. There was a loud siren that lasted about a minute. Then the shooting stopped. Then there was silence for several minutes. Melissa remained in cover, peering out every few seconds to catch a glimpse of any intruders. After several minutes, Crystal spoke out. They retreated. What do you mean they retreated? Melissa asked, slowly getting to her feet. The siren was telling them that they cannot win today and should regroup, Crystal responded. Melissa appeared from the corner and saw her men approaching the building. What does that mean? Melissa turned to Crystal as an officer walked through the door. They were not expecting the city district police force, she said, spitting in their direction. Who were they expecting? Melissa continued. It doesn't matter, Crystal responded dismissively. What do we do with her? One of the officers asked. Just let her go. I don't think she'll be of much use to us, Melissa responded. One of the officers walked up to Crystal and gently got her standing. This way, ma'am, 
the officer said, leading Crystal out of the building. Melissa looked around to see the narrow corridor and the elevator at the end of the room. She turned to the officer behind her. James, any chance he, she began, her eyes starting to well. James shook his head. He didn't make it, ma'am. I will be making the call personally to his wife and kid, Melissa said, wiping the tear from her eye. She closed her eyes for a few seconds and took in a deep breath. Then she opened her eyes and turned to the rest of the men outside. I need eight of you to come up with me. James, can you supervise the combing of the floor? I need you to get every piece of intel you can find. James nodded. The rest of you, let's go, she said, walking towards the elevator. The officers, some of whom were carrying shields, followed closely behind. There were four doors in the hallway, and Melissa signaled the team, and three officers approached the front door. The rest of their men kept their attention on the hall and the rest of the doors. The three officers walked into the room with guns at the ready. A few seconds later, they emerged. Claire, a female voice said. Melissa signaled for the three to secure the second. After a few seconds, they signaled, Claire. Her team pushed forward and approached the third door. The group leader held out a clenched fist and pointed to the handle. Melissa nodded and took a step back. One of the officers with a shield stepped forward and two men stepped behind him. They opened the door. There was a second of silence and one of the officers screamed, Drop the weapon! A strange voice responded, Antonio knows. There was a momentary flurry of bullets and then silence. The three officers stepped out of the room. Claire, one of the officers said in a solemn tone. The last room was uneventful, so the group walked up to the elevator and Melissa pushed the button. Ding! The elevator door swung open. The officers all had their weapons drawn. Melissa stepped in and looked at the elevator console. I could have sworn there were three floors, she remarked, turning to one of the officers. I couldn't say, ma'am, the officer responded. Melissa pushed the button for the second floor as the officers packed in. The elevator doors swung close and it began its ascent. The officers stood Intense silence surrounding her. Ding! The elevator door swung open and they made their way into the empty hallway. There was a door at the end of the hall and the men proceeded cautiously towards it. Melissa stared at the ceiling. There's another floor up there, she muttered. How do we get there? Then she felt a sinking feeling in her chest. Something seems out of place. What did he know? What did he mean by Antonio knows? Her chest began to race. Weapons ready, she called out as the man got to the door. Yes, ma'am, the officer in the lead responded, clicking his gun and looking at the other men. He turned to the door, took a deep breath, and with incredible force, kicked the front door. 
the door swung wide open, and for a second, the only sound you heard was that of a gentle click. There was a ball of orange that originated from the doorway, and Melissa felt helpless as the force of the explosion pushed her back into the hall like a rag doll. She landed on her back, and it cracked loudly. Then the world around her got black. Melissa felt herself hovering in her thoughts as an unassuming young man with a backpack walked onto a bus outside of the Black Forest. The young man took a seat and placed the back on the seat beside him. The bus began to move and Melissa just stared at the young man. After two stops, the man reached into his bag and pulled out a syringe of Troxy and ejected himself. A minute later, he was convulsing on the floor as blood trickled out of his ears and mouth. Melissa felt her eyes well up as everyone ignored the man. She reached out to him, but her hands passed through. I'm doing this for you, she found herself saying. There was a sudden sense of urgency and Melissa left her thoughts behind. Melissa opened her eyes and gasped. Oh my God, she found herself saying as droplets of blood and sticky human flesh dripped from the ceilings and onto her cracked helmet. She felt an urge to puke and she began to heave. She grabbed her side and let out a moan as she felt a pain send waves all over her body. She felt someone pull her by the collar and drag her back. She looked up to see one of her men pulling her behind his shield. You need to stay focused, boss, he said as one of the officers pulled his trigger and shot into the room. Melissa started to get to her feet and she felt her knees wobble. She persisted and reached for her weapon. She was breathing hard and she could feel blood trickling down her face. The air was heavy with the pungent metallic odor of blood. Melissa saw the torso of the man who had responded to her in the elevator on the ground a few feet from where she was huddled with the rest of her men. His lower half lay scotched in front of the gaping hole where the door used to be. Ding! The sound of the elevator chimed. Melissa felt a sense of relief as she watched the elevator doors open slowly. Reinforcements, finally, she muttered under her breath. Three men in black suits stepped out and stared at the group of four men huddled around Melissa. What disguise, she muttered as she raised her gun to them. How did they get in here? Her eyes widened as the realization dawned on her. Fall back, she screamed with all the strength she could muster. Melissa and the men began to fall back towards the gaping hole, using their shields to protect them from the bullets and firing back intermittently as the men used the metallic elevator walls for cover. Melissa readied her weapons and waited for any of the men to peer from the inside. She soon found her chance as she walked back into the room. She pulled the trigger twice. The first hit the man in the thigh, and when he leaned forward, the second passed through his skull. He slumped to the floor. Melissa felt a sense of relief as she stepped into the room. The heat in the room was suffocating, and as she turned to observe, she caught a glimpse of a man in a silver mask standing in the corner, bobbing his head back and forth. Before she could react, 
the man whipped out his gun and fired two shots. Two of the men with the shield slumped to the floor. A shot from the men in the elevator barely missed Melissa and went through the neck of the man behind her. He slumped to the floor, grasping his throat, and Antonio shot him up with another bullet. Melissa grabbed the fallen shield. She felt the pain in her ribs shoot across her body, but she also felt the adrenaline in her body pumping at full throttle. The only other officer stepped behind the shield and they retreated into the corner. Melissa turned to the officer. We're running out. We've got to make every shot count, she muttered. The man nodded. Antonio stepped out from the shadows, his silver helmet gleaming orange as the fire spread in the room. Let me ask you a question, Superintendent. What did you think you would achieve by doing this? His gravelly, menacing voice reverberated in the room. Melissa aimed her gun at him. Answer me! Antonio growled. You thought you could walk in here, get what you want, and not face any repercussions? I always knew you'd be a fool, but I'd not anticipated you would be this big of a moron. I prayed for an opportunity to make you pay for your sins, and somehow you just rolled into the biggest mistake of your life. I'm going to be as clear as possible to you. You will always be insignificant to us. You think you won today? You will lose. We will never fall, neither today or ever. Two of the three men who were in the elevator walked into the room. The man beside Melissa quickly opened fire. One of the bullets hit the man in the chest and another in the shoulder and slumped to the floor, yelling in agony. Melissa took a deep breath, held it for a few seconds and pulled the trigger, aiming squarely at Antonio's chest. Antonio shifted left, then with incredible speed made a dash behind the desk. The speed of his movement caught Melissa by surprise and she fired several shots in hopes of hitting him as he dove behind the desk. All of them missed him. Damn it! she exclaimed aloud. She wiped the sweat from her brow as her hands began to tremble uncontrollably. The officer behind her got a clean shot of the second man and he fired his weapon. The man in the suit fell back as the bullet passed through his chest. Antonio chuckled and peered at her from behind the cover as the flames in the room crept up the wall. Is that all you got? For a second, I thought you would actually put up a fight. Melissa reloaded her weapon with her final clip. She turned her weapon at him and pulled the trigger. Antonio ducked behind cover again and the bullet missed him as the wood splintered from the impact. He let out a maniacal laugh. Don't be upset with me for your poor aim. You know what? I feel lucky today. I'm going to do things the old-fashioned way. Antonio reached for the knife he tucked in his holster. Do you like magic tricks, Superintendent? He asked, opening the drawer and reaching for a bottle of brandy. He threw it in their direction and it shattered and it caused the fire to erupt and accelerate towards them. The officer who was beside Melissa shifted 
as the smoke billowed in his direction. Antonio jumped out from behind cover and threw his knife in the direction of the officer who had momentarily left the protection of the shield. The blade whizzed across the room and struck the officer in the neck. The force pinned him to the wall and his neck snapped as a result of it. Melissa, who was in shock, turned her fury towards Antonio. She fired every bullet she had at him as he spread across the room, dodging them all as if it was child's play. Her gun clicked and she groaned in frustration. Ta-da! Antonio yelled, jumping out from the corner. He let out a crazy laugh and started taking slow, deliberate steps towards her. Let me guess. You think you're protected because you're behind your shield. Do you think he's protected? Antonio pointed at the officer pinned to the wall by the knife. Melissa's eyes darted left and right as she tried to find anything she could use to defend herself. She coughed as the smoke continued to fill the room and winced when she stretched to grab a brick. Such ingenuity, Superintendent, Antonio said, clapping. You're such a great leader. Melissa felt a throbbing in her head as she flung the brick in his direction. Oh no! Antonio cried out sarcastically, sidestepping the projectile. Melissa coughed involuntarily and moved out of the way of the fire which had crept out the wall behind her. Antonio motioned to the final guy who was still standing in the elevator. The man nodded, pushed a series of buttons, and the lift proceeded up. You will always be weak, silly woman. You fail to even protect your men. Very soon, that elevator will go back to the first floor, and your men will jump in enthusiastically. They will step in here, only to face their own faith. Antonio grabbed her by the collar and threw her across the room. Melissa stumbled forward, and her leg got caught in the rubble. She fell face first into the ground. When she raised her head, her vision was blurred, and she was bleeding from her nose. The pain from her side now rang out everywhere in her body. It was becoming unbearable, and she almost wanted Antonio to end it. She felt she could not give up, so she looked around the room for anything she could use to her advantage. Is this not what you wanted, Superintendent? You wanted to take an evil in the colony district head-on. You're the savior, he continued with an evil laugh. He ran up to her and kicked her in the belly. Melissa let out a yell of anguish as Antonio towered over her. I thought you had it under control. Stand up and fight me, superintendent. He pulled her to her feet and held her up by her shoulder as her legs started to wobble. Pathetic. He kicked her in the chest and she fell back writhing in pain. Melissa tried to crawl away, her vision fading in and out, and breathing was becoming more labored. Antonio walked up to her and grabbed her by the neck. In one swoop, he raised her from the ground with one arm, and her legs dangled in the air limply. You're broken. Admit it, Antonio declared, squeezing tight, his silver mask shining gold-orange as the fires enveloped the room. Here's your chance, superintendent. Here's your chance to beg. Melissa felt the knife in her holster shift 
as she tried to punch his arm to freedom. You know what irks me the most? Antonio stared into Melissa's eyes. Our plan almost worked to perfection. Now I have to deal with that asshole John, all because of you. I'm going to make sure all the men who come up that elevator die slowly. Melissa felt her arms growing tired as she struggled to breathe. She had to wait for the right opportunity. Finish what you started, Melissa said with her final strength. His eyes lit up. You bet I am. He brought her close to his face. Melissa reached for the knife and in one movement drove it into his neck. She expected him to cry out in pain. His grip did not weaken for several seconds. Melissa was fading. Suddenly, he let her go and fell back. He grabbed the knife and winced in pain. You bitch, he exclaimed. You bitch! He fell to the floor and lay motionless. Melissa slumped unceremoniously to the floor. The flames in the room shut up all around her, but she could barely move. Her breathing was laborious, and every time she coughed, it seemed her whole body had been stabbed with a million heavy pins. The flames progressed slowly towards her while she lay there, helpless. The realization of what was happening dawned on her, and the tears rolled down her cheek. How naive was I? The heat around her continued to build, and it felt like she was beginning to cook. One of her shoes caught on fire. It's only a matter of time now. There was a loud creak and a bang as the picture on the wall fell on the shelves. In the image, a man in a gray suit vest sat cross-legged. The sleeves of his shirt were folded to his elbow, a glass of whiskey in his right hand and a cigar in his left. He stared menacingly at the camera. Mike, the drug and baron, and another gentleman whom Melissa couldn't place, also stared into the camera. They stood on opposite sides of the man in the gray suit vest. She took a deep breath, placed her hands under her body and tried to propel herself forward. The move caused her intense pain and her vision blacked out. She tapped her feet on the floor to stop the fire creeping up her legs. Perhaps I deserve this, she thought as a calm came over her. I'm ready to accept my faith. This is the best way. Tears rolled down her cheeks and the fire traveled up her thigh. The pain was encompassing, but she did not have the energy to react. She felt helpless. Ding! Came the sound from down the hallway. Oh my God, what the fuck happened here? An urgent voice called out from the opposite end of the floor. Melissa faded to black. 